Well, welcome to the Hills Church at Home. It's a great opportunity. Yell really loud. Make sure everybody's wide awake. Grab your coffee cup. Maybe fill it back up or pour somebody else a a cup of coffee that's watching with you. You can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can download today's message notes. You can also download the kids' uh, activity sheet as well, too, to keep the kids busy. Also, it uh, allows them to color. There's always creative stuff in there for them. And um, each week, we, we ask this, on whether you're watching on Facebook Live or YouTube Live, if you have a prayer request, feel free to write that in there. If you'd rather it be more private, email us. Our email is info at hillschurcharcadia.org. Or for anything, you can go to our website and you can hit the contact page and you can do the exact uh, same thing. So I pray you have your Bible or you have uh, your phone or you're turning in. We're going to be in the book of James again today. My title today is Set a Guard. It'll make a little bit more sense when we get into it. We're going to be in James chapter 3. But before we do, in fact, I read this verse uh, even last week. I wanted this to be a prayer that we pray just to kind of start us off. And it's a verse that David did. Psalm uh, 19 verse 14. I'd like this to be our prayer this morning. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So let me uh, remind all of us, I need to be reminded too, James chapter 1, verse 19 through 20, and James wrote this uh, by direction of the Holy Spirit for us even today. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So I want to bring that back in today because we're going to go through James chapter 3. Now, James is Jesus's half-brother. If you read in your Bibles, he does not come out of the chute with saying he's an apostle. He doesn't talk about he's half-brother of Jesus, got to sit at the dinner table with Jesus, grew up around him, you know, He doesn't ask for any favors. He really takes that form, as he says, a bondservant with humility. Yet, as you read in James, he gets more direct and more direct. And let me tell you, chapter 3, he's fired up about the words that we say in our tongue. Boy, we need to hear these words in our day-to-day. And so, Let's read uh, James chapter 3, and this is going to be verses 1 through 12. And it says this, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. Uh, able to also bridle the whole body. Now, let me stop there. I remember being in Bible college and my professor, Larry Powers, 
opened up my first class in Bible college. This was all new to me. And he read verse one, let not many of you become teachers, knowing we shall receive a stricter judgment. I remember him backing off of the podium and weeping about the words that as we teach people and how we prepare ourselves and how we study. And I don't remember how many, but I knew that day that some people quit the ministry when they heard a stricter judgment. Well, then James, I really, you know, he kind of throws this out with just a little sarcasm, it seems like, but we know it's of the Holy Spirit. He says, for we all stumble in many things, but if anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. Now, we know there's no perfect ones. God, um, in Genesis 1, used words to create everything that we see today. And so now James starts and he goes in verse three and he says this, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that, we may, that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and it boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles? And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. Boy, he, he's straight and direct. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapefruit bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Set a guard. In fact, that's the title. Setting a guard over our mouths. It might be, it might be good of you later to read this again. In fact, boy, is James not direct by the Holy Spirit at us today. You know, when, when I was first uh, in junior high ministry, I don't remember who told me this object lesson, and I must have been teaching out of James 3, but uh, they gave me this idea as an object lesson. I went down to the grocery store and I bought a cow's tongue, and I put it in a brown bag. But in the brown bag, I had this little ball. We see them nowadays. It looks like there's a little squirrel on it that moves. And I set this big bag on a table in front of all of these kids and the bag is moving. And I said these words, 
I want you to know that the deadliest, uh, the deadliest thing on planet Earth right now is in this bag right in front of you. And, you know, the bag is shaking. Well, these kids are junior hires. You know, they had their eyes. Uh, the deadliest thing in this bag. But I want to find out, does anybody want to come and stick their hand in this bag? What I was shocked with was I didn't think anybody would. You know, I, I'm sure they were thinking it was a rattlesnake or something. All the hands went up. So I remember I picked somebody and they came in and they stuck their hand in the bag and they grabbed and they pulled out this big, long cow tongue. You know, it's dripping by then. It was really gross. But we begin to talk about the tongue. You know, when I, when I was growing up, uh, if we said a word, a bad word, and around my mom, and it's not necessarily that it would be a bad word, uh, the word stupid, which is a bad word, stupid was a bad word in our house. If you said stupid, you got your mouth washed out with Irish spring soap, and she would make sure to rub it in there so that the Irish spring would get in your teeth, right, in, in your gums and everything, so you really had to wash it out. Well, I did one time, I said a word that was worthy of not only Irish Spring, but something else. And so we went into the bathroom as my mom said, go to the bathroom, I'm going to wash your mouth off with soap. There was no soap. We were out of soap. And I, oh, it's great. Well, I didn't know she said, stick your tongue out. And I remember feeling this liquid going on my tongue and it started, it didn't burn my tongue, but it's, man, it started to hurt. And I looked at, she had a bottle of liquid Lysol, and she set it right down. Well, I'm washing my mouth out, washing out, trying to get all of this out. And I remember I spun that plastic ball around, and it says, fatal is swallowed. And I remember taking it to her, and I probably said something like, you're trying to kill me. You're, this is like abuse. You're trying to kill me. And I remember her saying, stop using that word at my dinner table. Well, I really don't remember exactly the word that I said, but it was severe enough. So we understand the, the power of words. We understand the power uh, of our tongue. And isn't it interesting that if you go to the doctors, many times the first thing that they do to try to see how you're feeling is they tell you to stick out what? Your tongue. They can tell by sticking by you sticking out their tongue and by them reaching all the way back in there they can look at to determine what is actually wrong by you. James, in James 3, these, these verses, in fact, um, other than verse 1 and 2, 3 through 12, is the longest single discussion in the Bible about the tongue. Solomon says some things. Jesus said some things. But we are the only beings that God created that he's given us free choice in our words. I have the ability to confess Jesus as Lord, or I have the ability to deny Jesus by my words. And by my words, I've been given the choice to choose my eternal destiny. That's how powerful words are. But James really starts off with your tongue, your words, steer the direction that you go in. Well, he gives us this example. A horse, a thousand pound animal, muscular, strong. You know, when you see them, you stand back a little bit. A little bit that's placed in their mouth controls the direction that they go. 
Let's take the horse to the next extreme. A, a, a very muscular, fit racehorse that with a very small jockey on the back and a bit is able to control that horse at amazing speeds around the track. And it's all done by something that's in the horse's mouth. A ship, as James uh, referred to, I'll use this, a massive aircraft carrier that weighs 102,000 tons. For us in pounds, that's 204 million pounds. That that captain or whoever is controlling it has a 100,000 pound rudder that's controlling a 204 million pound ship by something that is very small. Let's think of this for all of us that drive. A steering wheel. That steering wheel, if you take it off, it might weigh 15 pounds, but it controls a 5,000 pound or more vehicle. So James wants to refer to us to remember that this very small member that's in our mouth has an ability to control the direction of a horse, a ship, or a steering wheel. Isn't it interesting that um, James doesn't in here talk about the heart, he talks about the tongue, but we know this, it's what comes out of the mouth is what's in the heart. Jesus talked about that. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So James is letting us know that this two or three ounce tongue in our mouth, and I won't stick my tongue out, but this two or three ounce tongue in our mouth controls the direction of a 200 pound body. Think about that. It controls the direction. Psalm 64, three, it says, who sharpen their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, bitter words. Notice the tongue is used like a sword and arrows like bitter words. You know, there was a saying, you don't hear it much anymore, but we would, we would hear this as kids. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt you. Do you know that's the biggest lie? I, you'd rather have a stick thrown at you or a broken bone that would heal for a word that somebody says, and you know, over the years of talking with people, it wasn't a, a physical attack or a broken bone or an injury or a car. It was somebody that said a word. You'll never amount to anything. I don't love you. The, those words that not only became like Velcro, it's almost like it became the identity of a person and it was words that were said, right? Uh, it's phrased, the pen is mightier than the sword. It was words that were said. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 11 and verse 18, it says this, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a man. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. 
The tongue is what sets on fire the very things that are in the heart. That's why last week we looked at where James talked about the implanted word on the inside, that that transformation is taking place. It would almost be like if we kept an audio file all day long by the things that we said and played them back at night, I bet we'd be shocked with what we said. We could even take it a step further because we've seen it not only with a mouth, now we would say it's with social media and certain posts that people say things out there that are just like saying words that have come from a heart that are nothing to do with building up. It's always tearing down. In fact, I was raised with, if you have nothing good to say, then don't say a word. Now, when we read in here a little bit, James is also going to refer, in fact, let me read this a little bit in verse eight. He says, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father. With it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. And then he says in verse 11, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? You ever been in the ocean and you're swimming, you're catching a wave and all of a sudden a wave hits you and you, you sucked in salt water? How did it taste? Oh, you quickly wanted to throw up. Totally different than a lake or a river. Oh, you, that salt water made you want to gag. It was like the first time I remember my mom having coffee and I decided to try her coffee and I picked up her coffee cup and I took a sip and I, I about went to the sink and spit it out. And I thought, <coughs> excuse me, must have been strong coffee this morning. How could you drink that? That is terrible. It's bitter. Well, then I waited and I tried it to where it was like lukewarm. Oh, that was like worse. And then you think people do iced coffee. You know, coffee's disgusting. It's good. Bitter. Well, notice how you become so used to it that it's not bitter anymore. But the example is that sweet water and bitter water don't come out of the same, the same fountain. Sweet water is what comes out or bitter water comes out. There has to be that change from within. And I remember hearing this verse probably one of the, for the first time, when on one of the churches I was on staff with, they had hired a contractor and I would hear him cussing and he claimed to be a Christian. Now, he wasn't using the words that we were saying, man, those are like the severe cursing word, but he was cursing enough to where I can imagine Privately, he used the other words. And I remember one of the pastors, uh, that really bothered him, and he used that verse. He says, you know what? Bitter water and sweet water can't come out at the same time. A fountain doesn't send them out. So the greatest and best use of this tongue is, number one, to bless the Lord. The greatest and best use of my tongue is to bless the Lord. In fact, James says in chapter three, verse nine, 
we use our tongues to praise the Lord and Father, but then we curse people whom God made like himself. I want you to think about that for a minute. That we can stop and we can bless and we can worship and and we can bless God with our mouth, and yet we can take this tongue and curse people, as the Bible said, uh, that God made like himself. We are all made in the likeness of God. Would you remember that the next time? Uh, Maybe it's so quick that you want to say something against somebody. Would you remember that they were made in the likeness of God? Would you remember that you've had the same shortcoming when somebody cuts you off on the freeway? And I mean, you, you wish you had a missile switch in the vehicle. Would you take a step back and remember that person was created in the likeness of God? I've got to back off a little bit. I can't allow this tongue that blesses and praises God and uplifts people to turn into a weapon. With it, our tongues are used to praise the Lord our God and Father, but then we curse people whom God made like himself. So Psalm 141, verse 3. This is where I got the title for this message. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Here's a prayer that we can pray every day. God, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And if I say something today that I shouldn't have said, would you convict me by your Holy Spirit? Would you allow the Holy Spirit to say, you know, Walter, you shouldn't have said that. Catch me when I say it. Allow me to catch it when it becomes a thought or it becomes something in my heart. Catch me before I say it. Because I can't pray over somebody in my prayer closet and then get out and talk bad about them. That's that's the double-minded man unstable in all his ways. That's that's trying to do bitter and, and sweet out of the same spigot. It doesn't work. That's like trying to drink in, thinking that you can take a big gulp of seawater and enjoy it. You never will. Allow God to set the guard on your mouth and keep watch over the doors of your of your lips. I think James is teaching this to us even today because he's remembering we're being transformed day upon day and we're allowing that fruit of this transformation to be evident how in the words that I say. It is so easy to, um, it is so easy to speak out against somebody. It is so easy to tear down. It is so easy just to flippantly say something. What takes maturity is to allow the Lord to to allow that tongue to come under control because you've been implanting that word on the inside of you. And we're being transformed. Remember this, day upon day. We're renewing this mind day upon day. We're implanting that word We're looking to Jesus day upon day, how he said things even in difficult times. You know, I love one of the things uh, my supervisor for our church said. He says, you know, every night when he goes to bed, right before he falls asleep, he replays 
the day in his mind. The people that he met with, talked with, maybe corresponded by email, and he asks himself, was there anything that I should have said differently? Was there a way I should have done it differently so that I can correct correct the pattern so that I'm making sure that I am growing? Isn't that a great example? That every night or whenever it is you go to bed and your head hits the pillow and before you conk out, that you replay the day, that you think of the words that you said, how you reacted with words, with clicks, with typing, that you would replay that so that every day you're being transformed. You're having change. You know, you know what it would cause us to do? It would cause us to be quieter a lot more often, watching the very things that we say. That's all right. That gives you more time to bless the Lord. As we started off with the beginning, Psalm uh, 19, verse 14, because this is David's prayer in heart. Let the words of my mouth and the dedication and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let the words, let my meditation be acceptable. Isn't it like an offering? Right, that offering in the Old Testament, be acceptable in your sight. You know, if you're, you've been listening today, maybe for the very first time, or you've caught up sometime later, uh, and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, he has given us, men and women, boys and girls, the opportunity to use our words to confess him as Lord. Romans 10, 9, and 10 lets us know that if I confess Jesus as Lord and I do it with speaking it and saying it and believing in my heart, then you will be saved. Think about it. By the very words that you pray, you are changing the direction of your eternity. And I want you to pray this prayer with me and I want you to pray it from your heart. And I also want to speak if there's anybody out there and you've been running from God and maybe you've just tuned in and this is your opportunity to run back to him. Would you pray this prayer with me as well? Ready? Dear God, I believe that Jesus lived, that he died and rose again for me. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. And today I begin my relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that for the first time, would you connect with us? You can do so by email, info at hillschurcharcadia.org, or just go to our website, click on the contact uh, button and you can fill out your information. So important that you connect with somebody today because you made Jesus the Lord of your life. Well, as we receive our tithes and our offerings today, you know, tithes and offerings are a worship unto God. It's actually expressing and showing God that I'm his steward and he owns it all. In fact, I want to read this verse, Psalm 34, 8 through 10. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want in those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Taste today and see that the Lord is good. Would you pray this prayer along with me? We'll put it on the screen. Would you pray it from your heart over your family, over the things that you're involved in? And would you believe and pray and know that the Lord's blessing is upon you? Ready? As I give in today's offering, I believe that you are, O Lord, are a loving, kind, gentle, giving, and generous God. You will not hold back any good thing for my life. You are my provider, and it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you're giving today, you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. Just click on the Give button. It's quick, safe, and secure. If you're sending something in by mail, you can do so. You can mail it to the Hills Church, P.O. Box 661419. Arcadia, California, 91066. And let me remind you, every Wednesday night, every Wednesday night, we have a Wednesday night gathering with communion by Zoom. And if you'd like to be a part, you hadn't heard about it, you're not receiving our emails throughout the week, you can sign up, just email us, info at hillschurcharcadia.org. And as we end today, it's never an end with God. It's always a new beginning. But I always want to read Psalm 121, 1 and 2 over us. And it says, I look up to the hills, but where does my help come from? My help, your help, comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. May the Lord bless you today and this week. We'll be praying for you.